Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are talking today about a subject that has more to do with your health than you probably realize. It's actually something that you may think is an adjunct to living healthier, especially if you're well-connected. It may be that smartphone or that tablet or that computer. Maybe you've got some kind of app that's tracking your calories or how much you're walking. But we're going to learn today that there are some significant potential risks to those mobile devices. We've got a great guest to help us really sort this all out. He's a consumer advocate, cybersecurity expert, the CEO of Snoopwall, Gary Malefsky. Gary, it's great to have you with us today. Dr. DeRose, thanks for having me on the show. Gary, we are excited about what you bring to the show. And I know when you and I were talking a little bit about this program, you immediately drew me into this topic. You were telling me about Miss Teen USA. Tell us that story, why we need to be concerned about this topic. Well, imagine your listening audience probably has daughters who are of the similar age as Miss Teen USA. When she was 17 years old, she was spied on eavesdropped by an online cyber snoop, a cyber predator, who took 40,000 pictures off of her smartphone as she came out of the shower, as she changed her clothes in her private space. He listened in on conversations and so much more. Now, now wait a minute. How can someone... Are you, are you saying that if I'm holding my smartphone, someone can be taking my picture through my phone of me? Absolutely. It turns out that most smartphones are infected, and most people don't even know it. Now, this is you definitely got our uh, got our attention. I mean, infected with what? And how? Could, I mean, if my I'm I'm looking at my phone right now. Now, because we're doing the radio show, I've actually got it turned off. I'm I'm safe right now, aren't I? Well, when you turn it on, this is the question, and this is what happened to Miss Teen USA. You might get an email or an SMS text message with an attachment that says it's an important update, and that's one way for what we call RATS, remote access Trojans, to get installed on your phone, on your smartphone or tablet. But the industry's dirty little secret, you're not going to believe what it is. Well, I'm, I'm, do I want to know or am I going to stay up, uh, up nights uh, awake after I hear about this? Well, you'll want to know, and your listeners are going to want to take some of my advice on how to clean up, do a spring cleaning on the smartphones. And here's what it is. Google, Microsoft, Apple, they all want search engine interfaces and advertisement networks connected to their smartphones. And they make money when people click on ads because they share in that revenue. Mm -hmm. And they love what they call analytics, hmm. consumer analytics. Where were you today? Where did you shop? Where, you know, where, where are you geolocated? And they collect a lot of data, but they've opened up their smartphones and tablets to developers who make free apps 
that do the same thing. You may have installed free apps that you thought, hey, this is great, it's free, and our kids do it all the time, but it's creepware and it's spying on us. Hmm. Now, now, how can we sort out what's safe and what's not? I mean, is there a place where we can go where we can say this uh, free app, these folks are they're they're not messing with your data, or, or do we not even know that? It's hard to tell, and at Snoopball, we've actually tracked down many thousands of apps on different stores, on the Google Play Store and the Apple iTunes. And here's what we found: most of the top downloaded free apps, flashlight apps, Bible apps, QR readers, password managers, some of the key free games that are out there, a big you know free games that are well downloaded and battery maximizers in general on both platforms Android and iPhone are spot, they're just using way too much permission and some of them are stealing personal information and eavesdropping on you. Now now let's take the the other side of the story Gary because I mean I I know there's a legitimate concern here but is it possible that this so-called spyware I mean they are collecting data but they're not using it maliciously they're just using it to uh sell to people who want to find uh individuals that shop at Target and are between 30 and 40 years of age uh, so that they can target their advertising. Is, is that possible that some of this data that's being collected is really being used for those so-called, quote, legitimate advertising purposes? Dr. DeRose, absolutely. Some of them are monetizing through ads, but here's the big question of the day. Have you ever, on purpose, clicked an ad in a free app that's on your smartphone? clicked an ad in a free app on my smartphone. Oh, boy, you got me thinking here. I suppose it's possible. But you can't remember clicking one, so most likely you didn't. (laughs) Most consumers that I talk to say they've never purposely clicked on a free ad from a free app in their smartphone. And if you're not clicking the ads and you're not buying products, then how do these companies who write these apps monetize? And I'm going to give you three ways. Cyber criminals, government agencies, believe it or not, cyber espionage where, and as you said, um, it's kind of borderline of identity theft or just collecting so much on you that they can sell records about you for a good amount of money. Those are the three areas. Mm -hmm. Creepy adware cyber criminals, and government agencies in different countries. The number one flashlight app connects to a server in Beijing. Whoa. So you mean in Beijing, they're actually, uh, we we think, maybe purchasing some of this data to uh, track U.S. citizens? Well, that's the question. Is it purchasing what? It's a free flashlight. It's connecting. Here's what it does. It's amazing what it does. If it likes what's in your calendar and schedule on your phone, a flashlight reading, we've looked at the source code and we put it up on the Internet, reading your calendar and schedule, looking at who you'll be talking to today. If I'm a person of importance to the Chinese government or whoever made the app, the server in Beijing gets a voice conversation off of our phone through the microphone. It has permission to geolocate us, read our calendar and schedule, our contact list, SMS history, 
and send data to another country. Wow. And and we we as consumers, when I download that app and give it permission, I'm basically opening the door for people to get all this data. You got it. And John McAfee uh, told me that the number one Bible app, and we looked into it, it's doing it, number one Bible app with 100 million downloads connects to a server in Russia. The Bible is written in English. It's on a U.S. website, Google, forward slash play, or iTunes, but it's sending data to a server in Russia. So there's definitely cyber espionage going on, but there's another big thing, cyber crime. Have you ever used Uber? Um, I've heard of it. I don't know that I've used it. Okay. Or how about the Starbucks uh, gift app on your phone? Uh, no, fortunately not. I've heard some stuff about that lately and was glad I didn't. But t- but tell our listeners about it. That was kind of scary. These are trustworthy apps from U.S. companies we trust. Starbucks, you know, one of the coffee um, retailers. And Uber, kind of a new wave taxi idea. You're in a big city. You you want to get somewhere. You're not, you don't know where to find a taxi stand. You open up your smartphone to the Uber icon. You've installed Uber. Click the link, and it finds where you are through your GPS, and it tells you where the nearest Uber car is that will come pick you up. They've even partnered with taxis, too, but they'll have either a taxi, uh, a black car, a limo, or even a, somebody out of, you know, just an entrepreneur driving their car around all day. And you hit a button, and they come get you, and then you get in their vehicle, and you go where you want to go, and all that experience was tracked by Uber and the transaction on your credit card comes right out of your phone to Uber. So what happened? Uber's lost 50,000 identities and they say their servers were never hacked. So where do you think the hackers got in? Hmm. They got in through the phones? Exactly. They've already pre-configured apps. How many free apps are on your phone, doctor? Well, there's a number of them. I, I don't think we're going to take the time to count them since I powered it off. Besides, this may be in, incriminating, Gary. Most most consumers install 20 to 30 apps, and our kids install another 10 or 20. So somewhere between, let's say, 30 to 50 apps are on our smartphones and our tablets. And most of them are developed in other countries. I've detected the top apps that you can download in Apple or, or Google come from, and it's now Microsoft with their app store, China, Russia, the Ukraine, Brazil, India, North Korea, South Korea. It's amazing where these apps are coming from. Now, Gary, I don't want you to go into this right now, but you've already, as we've been going through this, you've touched some sensitive nerves. We haven't told the Starbucks story yet, and we're not trying to put any specific parties in a bad light. You've mentioned Bible apps. We've got a number of networks, Christian networks, that carry our show in addition to a large Native American network called Native Voice One, which uh, I know we have many Christian listeners on all these stations, and you're mentioning these Bible apps. I'll tell you, I think if we took the time, I mean, there's people that would love to hear from you. Are there some apps that are safer than others? If they got a Bible app on their tablet or their smartphone, should they be thinking about a different one? 
but maybe that's not where we want to go today. No, you're asking just the right question. There are good apps out there. It's time for a spring cleaning. And I can give your listeners tips to make sure that their Bible app or their password manager or their battery maximizer is more trustworthy or less risky to having an identity theft or being spied on or creeped on on their device or their kids being eavesdropped on on their device. Well, I mean, this is what this is where we've got to go, Gary. Can you can you start helping us before we uh, have to leave for a, a break here in a couple of minutes? Absolutely. So let's do the following. If we were to go into the Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes Store, the first thing you want to do. Well, if we're going to do a spring cleaning first, how many apps on average do you think the average person uses on their phone or tablet every day? Hmm. I don't know, maybe three or four? Exactly. So if you could delete, I know it's not fun to lose all those pretty icons on your smartphone and tablet, but delete all the ones you never use. So you're going to delete 25 or 30 that you never use. Okay. Trust me on this, you're now making your device safer. The batteries will last longer. Uh, It's not going to use up as many network resources. Um, It's going to be a better, faster experience when you have less garbage on your device. So one thing is spring cleaning. Get rid of the ones you don't use. Now, if we're only looking at three to five apps, it's not going to be hard to take a half an hour out of our day to clean them up. And if you'd like, I'll describe what we need to do. Definitely. You, you got our attention. Okay, so if I'm looking at a Bible app and I'm on uh, the Play Store or iTunes, there are free Bible apps and there are paid Bible apps. If you can find a paid one that has no network connectivity because it doesn't need updates, the Bible isn't changing, it's just a book, right? It's a mm-hmm. special book, but it's just a book. No network connectivity, and it tells you under permissions on both Apple, iTunes, and the Google Play Store, what permissions the app needs. If it says GPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, NFC, contacts, etc., delete that app and don't install that app. That's Hmm. the wrong Bible to be installed. Okay. So this is very interesting. So there's some simple things we can do to uh, try to ensure that we've got safer apps when we're... uh, basically putting them on our phones. Listen, Gary, we have actually just about exhausted our time in this segment, but I know you got a lot more great information, some more great stories coming up, some practical things you can do to make your life simpler and healthier. I'm Dr. DeRose. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more on American Indian Living. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. My name is Florence A.Q. For lunch today, I had grilled chicken and squash. I am Zuni Indian, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. My name is D. Dakota Denesosi. I turned the TV off and took my nieces and nephews for a walk. We saw two jackrabbits, an eagle, and zero cartoons. I'm from the Dene Nation, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. 
Science has proven that if we lose as little as 10 pounds by walking briskly for 30 minutes, five days a week, and make healthier food choices, we can prevent diabetes. My name is Barbara Akisakpuk Curtis. I'm losing weight and being more active. I am Alaskan Inupak Eskimo, and I have the power to prevent diabetes. For more information on how to prevent diabetes, talk to your health care provider. For free materials, call the National Diabetes Education Program at 1-800-438-5383 and ask for the power to prevent diabetes. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is Meryl Streep. Over the years, I have played some characters you could call controlling, but the truth is there's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can colorectal cancer. It affects men and women, and it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., which is astounding, considering it's almost entirely preventable. Here's how. Most colon cancers start as polyps, and screening helps find polyps so they can be removed before they even turn into cancer. Screening also finds this cancer early, when treatment works best. For me, screening was simple and quick. It was no big deal, except for the huge sense of relief you feel afterwards. There are several tests that you can choose from. If you're 50 or older, you should talk to your doctor. Decide which one's right for you. Take control. Do everything you can to prevent colon cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose. Today we're speaking about a topic that I've been trying to make a case for, that it actually has a lot to do with your health, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's uh, really... Keeping your identity secure, not being uh, taken advantage of, not having your uh, personal life compromised. We've got a great guest, Gary Malewski. Gary, he is the CEO of Snoopwall. He's a consumer advocate, cybersecurity expert. And if you had in front of you what I've got in front of me, you'd know things like he's on the advisory board of the Center for the Study of Counterterrorism and Cybercrime at Norwich University. He's uh, been involved with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. He's been on the Today Show, Fox News, CNBC. He comes to us with great credentials, and he's sharing with us some very exciting and practical stuff. Gary, I'm glad that uh, I don't think we're losing our listeners, because if we were, some of them would be laying awake at night, uh, turning their phones off, I'm afraid. Well, my mission is to help them understand the problem so that they can then clean up their smartphones and their tablets, protect themselves, their identities, and their kids. And I can tell you a quick side story. Uh, I joined, uh, I'm very unhappy with them, I joined Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare uh, early last, uh, well, the last uh, tail end of last year. And then recently I get a letter in the mail, sorry, we lost 80 million records, your entire identity has been stolen. Your name, your address, your social security, your date of birth. As you said, it affects your health. I am so upset at them. Mm. I'm distracted. I'm protecting my identity because I'm a an executive of a early stage, you know, security company and here I am victimized by my own identity being stolen. Well, because you've given us that scenario, I mean, this is not an unusual occurrence. We keep hearing about these data breaches. 
what should someone do if if they get a letter like this from a company or hear in the news that uh, all of the records that company XYZ have just been sold. You say, hey, that's where they've got my credit card and all this. What am I supposed to do at that point? I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. One is you place a fraud alert on your three major credit files at Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. It's a 90-day alert. That means nobody's going to get credit under your account without them calling you personally and ensuring that it's you. Hmm. Okay. So Experian, TransUnion, what's the other one? Uh, and Equifax. And, you know, we actually put tips up on our website for dealing with the Anthem breach. Uh, And I've got more facts and things you should do. You know, review your credit file, consider a security freeze on it, uh, be nervous and wary about SMS, email, or telephone calls related to your, um, you know, your your, health care account and things like that, Mm. and demand multiple years of identity theft protection paid by the company that you've been a victim through. I demanded multiple years, and Anthem actually, I said it on the news too, Anthem went from one-year offer to two years. So now they're giving two years to 80 million people of identity theft protection. And so how does someone tap into that? Well, if you've been victimized, you'll get a letter in the mail, and they'll tell you, oh, we're using this company. It's not LifeLock. It's one of their uh, lower-cost competitors. I think it's idalert.com. But that's what you do. When you've been victimized, you have to stand up for your rights, and you have to protect your credit file, and you have to demand an identity protection service at no charge to you because you're the victim. Now, what's interesting to me, and, and again, you've got us all already in this show looking over our shoulders, who's looking at us, who's trying to get our information, and, well, I'll just be honest with you, Gary, you're telling us that all these people that look like they're our friends saying they're going to give us stuff free, like free apps, there's often strings attached. And now I'm going to say that you offer free consumer-based software, and I myself, as well as probably everybody listening, is saying, okay, now what is in it for this guy? Why are you offering free resources? Tell us about what you guys do at Snoopwall and why we should think that uh, you're any different than these guys that we're trying to run and hide from. Well, that's a great question. I, I tell people trust no one and make up your own mind. But what we do, it's kind of our corporate philosophy here, is we monetize or make our money by selling a security toolkit to banks and retailers and wallet vendors who have moved their technology to mobile, and they really don't understand security on mobile. Hmm. So we make money from banks and retailers. In return, I like to pay it forward and give it back. So we've created a bunch of free resources for consumers. Tips from Miss Teen USA, who we've partnered with to help her protect her devices, and for her to tell her teen friends, you know, be, be cautious. So we've got free tips, uh, free tools, free apps. Uh, one of our apps, as you said, you know, how do you know it's safe? One of our apps, it tells you the exact permissions it uses. It searches your smartphone for the permissions of all other apps and shows you which ones are spying on you, and then you can delete them all. You can even delete our app when you're done cleaning up. Hmm. And then we've got um, another app. When we found out that flashlight apps are spying on everyone, we created one that's open source. You can read the source code and see there's no network connectivity in a flashlight we made for people called Privacy Flashlight. Wow. Now, what is the app called uh, that's involved with searching all the apps on your phone? We call that Privacy App. And while it's available for Windows and Android, 
Apple is very difficult to work with when it comes to installing or updating security apps in their iTunes store. So they would not let us put the privacy app in their store. And we're not the only ones. Symantec, Lookout, and others have had a really hard time dealing with Apple. So is there no way to actually put the app on an Apple product? No. And what I recommend for an iPhone or an, or an iPad is Apple does have a nice uh, permissions or privacy area in their uh, in their um, menuing system under settings. Mm-hmm. And you'll see under settings, turn off location services. Why even have those on? Then any of the apps that wanted access to your GPS fail to get it. So you can go into the iPhone without Snoop Wall and you can do some smart things. You can do the same in Android, and you can turn off certain services that you don't want apps to use. If you make an app think that there's no Wi-Fi and there's no 3G or 4G, then it can't send any message over the Internet that it's spying on you. So you can kind of disable that on an iPhone or an iPad where it's harder to do on an Android. Okay, very interesting stuff. Now, tell us how we could access the free consumer resources you have with Snoopwall. Is it just snoopwall.com? Yeah, there's two ways. You could type in consumer.snoopwall.com, which would take you right to the consumer tools area. Or you can go to snoopwall.com and go under mobile app resources and click on consumer tools. And there's also under consumer tools our free apps, advisories, our reports, including Miss Teen USA's uh, report and tips on what to do with an anthem breach or how to halt hackers on the holidays because of the holidays they love to, to steal information and they put a lot of bad apps up in the store to try to get people's credit cards. So there's things you can do. We put it all, all that information is free online. And it's S-N-O-O-P-W-A-L-L, right? Snoop Wall? Yeah. Okay. So I've got consumer.snoopwall.com. And, I mean, you've already got me, Gary, motivated to take advantage of some of the resources you've got there. We've got a lot more to talk about, though. You've got resources, but a lot of us should be asking more questions, and especially when it comes to our kids. Um, I, I think this is one of the scariest things, whether we're talking in Indian country or outside of it. A few things hit us as close to home as when it comes to the security and safety of our own children. Why is this such a relevant concern when it comes to these these resources? I mean, I I don't think the the government of Russia or China is interested in a five-year-old, but there are other people that may be, right? Exactly. And online predators and pedophiles love to track down children. There's a group called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's a great nonprofit. And what I've learned from that nonprofit, which we support and we donate to, what I've learned is that a lot of teenagers will, um, and you know, younger kids, they will, they don't know that when they take a picture and upload it to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, that that some of their friends that they've never met, because the more friends you have, the better, right? Mm. The problem online is you don't know who these people are. And Jimmy 12 is really a 40- or 50-year-old pervert. It's not a 12-year-old kid down the street. And when he, he downloads that picture, that predator or pedophile can open it 
in a tool that tells them exactly where the photo was taken by your child. Hmm. So presumably many of those photos will be taken in the vicinity of where the person lives. Yes, and so it's called geotagging pictures today, especially by default on an iPhone or an iPad. When you take a picture and you upload it, and now many Androids, the newer ones, do it automatically, they put embedded in that photo hidden information, the date and time the photo was taken, and the exact GPS coordinates where that phone or tablet was when that when the picture was taken. Wow, this is amazing stuff. We've got another uh, real-life scenario that I'm interested to get your feedback on because we're speaking about children, uh, teenagers, and their safety. I've got a question for you, Gary, when we come back in our next segment about a young lady, friend of uh, my boys, who uh, got a very interesting text message and then some of the dialogue that uh, that grew out of it i'm very interested in your take on it maybe some lessons that we can learn from that as well as some other great information about keeping ourselves and our kids secure i'm dr david derose we'll be back with more from gary maleski on american indian living don't go away american indian living will continue in a moment if you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. I'm Karen, and two very important people in my life, my husband and my father, have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation, or AFib, is a type of irregular heartbeat. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without AFib. Talk with a healthcare professional today about your risk and learn how to manage AFib to prevent a stroke. Visit stroke.org/afib to learn more. My name is Mira Batra. I have been in this country 32 years and this is how I live united. America has always been the land of promise and in my community many families have come for a better life. Coming from another culture myself, I know the desire to become part of a community, to feel at home and to gain the tools for our children and families to succeed. So I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to look beyond their histories and to see what opportunities are available. We help them get involved with their kids' schools, network within the community, and when we do, we unite them. We make the community stronger. What I do is something I wish someone had done for me, and I am so grateful I am able to. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunities and succeed. I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Did you know that 63% of homes contain allergens from cockroaches? And that mice spread potent asthma triggers found in 82% of homes? It's true. Common household pests are major offenders on the list of indoor allergens. Learn what you can do to help your family breathe easier. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association and the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose on our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. We often don't think about it, but our health in a variety of ways, whether it's our emotional health, our mental health, or even our physical health could be compromised by some of these... Wow, these applications, this malware that we've been talking about with Gary Malevsky. Gary, if you're just joining us, is a founding member of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. They're a group that uh, deals especially with cybersecurity. Have I got that right, Gary? Yes, I've done some work uh, for the federal government on um, defending our country against uh, cyber espionage and cyber terrorism. So we've been hearing about your company, which is called Snoopwall, but I think it's uh, it's fascinating just how connected you are in this whole area. And that's why uh, when we were talking around the, the breakfast table today about uh, a young lady that uh, my boys know, it was quite interesting, uh, a scenario that I said, wow, I bet our guests would have some insights into this. Well, let me just briefly give you the scenario, Gary. This is a young lady who uh, had put her name on one of these websites where she was available to do child care. Someone goes to that website. They allegedly said that they were in some East Coast state. They were about to travel to California where we live. And this young lady is getting this uh, text on her her phone from this uh, woman who supposedly, uh, you know, wants to use her as the caregiver for her six-year-old boy. They're moving across the country. She also needs her help to run some errands, buying some furniture and other things. She's going to send her all this money in advance. And uh, the boys uh, threw up some red flags, and this young lady ended up backing out of the uh, the situation. But I, I, as I was um, listening to the story, I'm thinking, well, why would someone... Now, now I Here's one part of the story that that I thought was especially peculiar. This person was moving here and needed the young lady in California to make these purchases, but they also somehow were going to meet with her at a McDonald's in um, Northern California. And I'm thinking, this all sounds very strange. Money up front, person's moving here, but they're already here. Um is this sound as worrisome to you as it did to me? Or should I tell my boys, call up your friend, tell her, you know, we just talked with the expert. He said, no, meet the person at McDonald's. This is probably the job of a lifetime. <laughs> this is a, exactly, we call this uh, the 419 scam. Hmm. It's a type of fraud. It's one of the most common types. It's a confidence trick. The scam involves promising a victim a significant share of money and for, you know, a teenager to get a big, check, just give me your bank account. And, you know, there might be a small upfront payment and you have to do something to move money to us. Maybe it's even a penny or a dollar. And then we're able to wire you the money or get it into your account. It's, it's a famous scam. It started out in Nigeria, if you've ever heard of it, where you get the, the email. And the number 419 refers to the Nigerian criminal code for dealing with fraud. So in the known, in the community out here, the cybercrime community, it's a 419. It's a well, well-done scam. And it's all about getting that girl to, to, to be in a trusting state and then giving up some personal information. So probably there would have been a meeting at McDonald's and it would have been perfectly safe. They, would have been not, they wouldn't have tried to kidnap her at the McDonald's. 
could be very risky, right? Mm. Okay. So just meeting anyone that you haven't met, that you've connected with on the internet or through a text message, that should raise red flags. Yeah, and there's a wonderful woman called Net Nanny. She wrote a book on this. Um, I don't remember her real name, but I always remember as Net Nanny, and um, and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. If you go to their website, their .org, you'll see story after story that's similar. Where, you know, it's even let's just meet in some place, and if they notice that that teenager, you know, young kids alone, they nab them, and it is risky. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So we got a lot of uh, red flags that are waving, and many of us say, okay, we've got children that are close to us, grandkids. We're going to get the word out about this. But what about us? Let's come back to us because we're carrying these mobile devices around as well. You've got some practical things we can do. You've already been sharing with us some of them, how we can clear up these devices, clear them out, and make them safer. Uh, where do we start if we're going to look at this kind of comprehensively and just give us a checklist of things we can do? You got it. I've got four tips, and before I go into them, let me just summarize for our teens. Parents need to get involved, talk to the kids about privacy and risk of losing their identity online. Maybe they should visit privacy, P-R-I-V-A-C-Y, rights.org. You won't believe what you'll find on that site. Wow, privacyrights.org? There has been 900 million records stolen of American citizens. Kids, adults, anybody with information, medical, uh, your credit card, your bank account. Teenagers love to get their own bank account, feel independent, get their own phone, and they get victimized just like we do. Privacyrights.org is tracking all the breaches in America. And that means with 330 million people living in this country, we've all lost our identity at least three times already. Wow. So it's a given that people have gotten my identity at this point in my life. Absolutely. It's not if it's been stolen. It's when it's going to be leveraged. For example, the Anthem breach, the reason I was a little mad at Anthem, in 10 years from now, the patient hackers who have my identity, uh, or 20 years from now, might say, ooh, let's make an account for him in the Social Security Department, oh, good, you know, SS, I think SSA.gov or whatever their website is. Yeah, SSA.gov. Let's make Gary's account because, you know, he's not ready for retirement. But when he is, we're going to have the checks come to us. They've got all my identifiers. They can make the account. Mm-hmm. So your identity can be stolen now and be leveraged tomorrow or a year from now or later. You'll find out when weird things are happening. You know, you you have a car you didn't buy. You got a bill you didn't expect. Um, strange things do happen, and that's as you said, it affects your health. I've talked to so many victims where they are stressed out to the max because they're dealing with it right now, right when the actual theft of money or calling their credit card company or getting new cards printed. It usually doesn't happen at a good time. Wow. Okay, Gary. Well, let's let's go back to the uh, the phones and the apps, and then we might want to pick up some of these other trains of thought because you've introduced a lot. I know just for those who can't be with us for the rest of this power-packed, information-packed show, give us one more time your website because you've got a lot of these resources that are, are just free there. Am I understanding you've got tutorials and things where you discuss these very topics on your website? Absolutely. If you go to consumer.snoopwall.com, you can get tips, reports, advisories, and tools. And we've even got another, it's a little bit more technical, but I've got a free 
um, training session. I call it Countervalence 101. It's at snoopwall.com forward slash F-R-E-E, free. And what it teaches you is that you're probably already being spied on or eavesdropped or observed somehow, whether it's the NSA or a Chinese government or spyware on your phone. What can you do to disappear from the bad guys? What can you do to counter being surveyed? And I call that countervalence 101. And that includes how to protect your identity, hmm. you know, how, to, how to protect things that are important to you. Countervalence 101. And if I go to snoopwall.com slash free, that's what gets me there? You got it. Okay. We got to talk about these four things that we can do, four best tips for cleaning up your phone. What are they? Pretty simple. Doctor, there are tips that it's like uh, anyone can do it. So simple. Number one, when you go to the Play Store, you go to Apple iTunes, you can read the permissions of the app before you hit the download button. What if an app, say it's the Bible, a QR reader, battery maximizer, you know, a game, um, a flashlight, a password manager, what if that app wants 20 different permissions? That's a little odd. A flashlight app only needs permission to use the LED on the camera. So if you notice it's using, and by the way, there are some free ones other than ours even that are trustworthy where they even call themselves tiny or private flashlights with very little permissions because the the good guys know that the bad guys are using up all the permissions. Number one, make sure the app you're downloading or installing has the least amount of permissions, only the number of permissions you think it really needs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's point number one. Just check the permissions out, and if it's asking for stuff it shouldn't have, uh, just say no to the whole app. Exactly, and there's probably a better one out there that is from an honest company, an ethical group, And the way you can check that is with number two, their privacy policy. Read the privacy policy before installing the app. If it's a 20-page privacy policy and it's all about how they eavesdrop on you, take the number two flashlight app called Brightest Flashlight by um, Golden Shores Technologies, sued by the FTC for spying on people. That flashlight app has over 50 million downloads. In the lawsuit, they had to change their privacy policy and admit they're spying on you. So now if you read their privacy policy, you can see in 20 pages, this is not a good flashlight. I want to geolocate you. I want to have permission to know who you are with your phone number and your name and your address and everything I can collect on you. Dump the app. If the privacy policy is that onerous, don't install it. But presumably, many of these bad guys are not going to put that in their privacy policy unless forced to do so. Isn't that the implication of the scenario you just shared with us? Well, yes. And you know what? Many of them that spy on you, the third part is they don't even have a good website because usually the privacy policy links to a page on their website. You want Number three is to look at their website. If you see an odd privacy policy, if you see an odd website, if it just doesn't jive and the funny thing is the ones that spy on you they don't do a great job just like the phishing attacks in email that they pretend they're your bank but they misspell half of the words just don't do a great job they get sloppy check out their website read what country they're in look at the website and say how could i compare this website to a normal public u.s company if it's fishy don't trust them Mm -hmm. great great so three good tips you got another one for us The last tip is real simple. Send them an email. They always put up their developer email. 
if it's a weird, you know, a Gmail account or in another country, qq.china, that might be strange, send them an email. For example, Semantics app, an antivirus company, you send them an email at support at semantic.com. That makes sense. I uh-huh. would trust them. Uh-huh. And if I had a problem with their app spying on me, they're an antivirus company I can trust. But if I had a problem, I would see it in the privacy policy. I can see they're a real company on their website. I could sue them if they did something wrong. Hmm. If you send an email, you'll get a response. But if you send an email to one of these fishy, strange companies who make these odd apps that are creepware, they never respond to the email. Hmm. Interesting. So that presumably the email is just kind of a front. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere. No one's even looking at it, presumably. Or they're afraid to answer a question. Hmm. Hey, where are you located? What's your address? I'd love to come visit you. Right. Okay. And those are the kind of things you should be asking, huh? Send them an email. Find out where they're located. Are they a public or a private company? How big is their support team? They're not even going to answer. Dump the app. That's a risky app. Wow. Four great tips for cleaning up your smartphone. Gary Malevsky, he is not done. We've got a final segment in today's edition of American Indian Living. Gary has got some other great information. It's designed to protect your security, to protect the security of your kids, and ultimately to give you better health. That's what we're all about on American Indian Living. Stay tuned. Our final episode, final segment of today's episode coming up. We'll be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept, you don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once, there's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down, hang up, pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at DecideToDrive.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. We are here to say a word about cancer. When you talk to someone who has been diagnosed with cancer, be positive. Be supportive. That's it. Stop right there. Don't start telling them about your Uncle Vern. Or the next-door neighbor. Don't be grim. Try not to disappear, either. Don't cross to the other side of the street. Don't stop calling. Don't cry. Don't ever say, you're living my worst nightmare. You know who you are. Here's the important part. Be positive. Be positive. Se positivo. Say these words. You will do great. Keep calling. Check in. Be a friend. Or be a new friend. Be a supportive. Positive friend. Smile. Try not to be afraid. Or act afraid. Fear is not useful. Be a funny, hopeful human being. If you come across cancer, let it transform you into your most positive self. And inspire. Urge. Fortify. Rally. Encourage someone to do great. This message brought to you by Cancer Survivors. For more information, to hear stories or share your own, visit DoGreatCampaign.com. Do great.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and Gary Malefsky for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're speaking about security, online security, security with our mobile devices, and how this can have a bearing on our health, our happiness, our life. Gary is the CEO of SnoopWall. He's been connected with the federal government. He's an expert on cybersecurity, and he's sharing insights with you and with me, helping us to live safer lives. Gary, one of the things that, uh, as we've been talking, we've talked a lot about a variety of topics, but you've mentioned a number of times passwords and password uh, programs and apps. Is this an area where we need to be concerned about? There are some apps that want to help you manage passwords. I don't trust any of them. Mm. I think you need to come up with a good password scheme. In other words, I'm going to do a password today that I like, some kind of you know, simple thing that I'll remember but that isn't easy to hack, and then I'll change it in a month, and then I'll do it a month later, keep changing my password. It can be as simple as instead of the word password, you might make your pet, which is one of the number one hackable passwords, you might change the two S's to two fives, mm-hmm. change the O after W-O-R-D, change it to a zero, and then maybe a one, two, three, and a dollar sign. Now, that is a complex password that's hard to hack. But the word password or one, two, three, four, five, six is not a good password. Mm. So there are some things that make it stronger, and that is one is, is it not being an identifiable word? Is that right? Yes. And in fact, you know, if someone listening speaks Navajo or another uh, Native American language, that would be great to use as a password. I would still throw in a few strange characters like a dollar sign or an exclamation mark. The average brute force attacking dictionary, uh, if you remember the code talkers, does not speak Navajo. So Mm -hmm. a Native American language is a great idea, but throwing in a few extra characters would help. Okay, so that's some insights in choosing a strong password. And then what about these browsers where, you know, someone's on Internet Explorer or they're on uh, Google Chrome or, you know, Firefox? They all ask you, do you want us to remember your password? I mean, it seems so easy just to hit yes. Is that not a good idea? Not only is it not a good idea, but there's an Israeli guy called, uh, his last name, I think, or first is NIR. It's a website called nearsoft.com, mm-hmm. and he shows you how you can find everybody's passwords on Windows in their browser, their cookies, their history, their cache. And it, it's interesting free software from him to show people how scary it is to let your browsers store your passwords for you. Better to keep a simple one that you use everywhere, but that's complex enough to not easily be hacked. And then don't store it. Just remember it. Now, well, tell me this. Are you saying that this fellow out of the Middle East actually is telling someone, say, in uh, Germany, how they can go onto my computer and get my passwords? Or do they actually physically have to be sitting at my computer to do it? If they, if they haven't installed a remote access Trojan on your computer, they have to be on your computer. That's why web browsers have become double agents. When we install third-party plugins into our browser, we have the risk that one of them is used to spy on us. But what he's doing is he's saying, here's a tool you can download for free. Hit a button, run the tool on your Windows computer, and it'll pop up 20 of your passwords for you, which tells me that if his little piece of software can find it, 
anyone can find it. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is you have to have been a victim, and they have to install something on your computer to spy on you. Well, that brings up a whole other subject, because we're talking now about people accessing other devices beside phones. We're talking now about the, the computer. And I guess one of the things, as someone who's on the road a lot, I'm always a little concerned about, are these public Wi-Fi networks or the hotel I'm staying in has got Wi-Fi? Am I at risk using those? Absolutely. When you're on a shared network, sometimes, so, but you are at risk, but we can solve it. You need to make sure you use encryption. Most of them will allow you to use encryption. And if you can even buy or pay a service fee for your own personal VPN for when you travel, it's called a virtual private network. There's many of them out where if you just Google personal VPN, you'll find that there are many out there. They're as little as free and up to you know $10 a month. But it, what it does is it means that everything you browse when you're doing banking or shopping, only between you and the end website, the bank or the retailer, is a completely encrypted, secure experience. So having encryption turned on on Wi-Fi is very important. If you're at a hotel or an airport and there's no encryption turned on, it's a little bit risky that someone could be eavesdropping. Hmm. So are you saying there's some way on my computer I can physically turn on encryption? There's two ways to do it. Your home wireless router can run in an encrypted mode or non-encrypted mode. Mm -hmm. When you're in the encrypted mode, you'll see that you have to type in a key, and there's a wizard when you set up your home wireless so that you have to have a special code, and they call that WEP or WPA, or different levels, WPA1 or 2, personal or enterprise, doesn't really matter. If you can just enable encryption on your wireless router and then enable it on your computer, nobody's listening in on your home network. The same holds true when you're traveling. Some hotels, some places will have encryption turned on by default, and your computer knows that, and they'll tell you, type in this code, and you can log into the hotel's wireless. That's a lot more secure than a non-encrypted session. That's just plain information, plain text over the airwaves. So it doesn't necessarily follow, though, if there's some password that it's encrypted. In other words, if I'm in a hotel and they say, well, here's the password for our network, does that mean it is encrypted, or is that not a certain thing? In your browser, you will see a lock or an icon for encryption in the browser bar at the top. Mm -hmm. And that will let you know that you're browsing HTTPS and you're having an encrypted browsing session. On Wi-Fi, you're going to see a shield. And that will tell you that you're connecting to, you know, hotel Wi-Fi. And it's not only requiring a password, but it's connecting through an encryption tunnel between you and the hotel wireless. And ultimately, if you don't trust any of them, you can get a personal VPN, where your computer becomes an encrypted client, and your phone, they even have personal VPNs for phones now, talking to a service or a server far away that's completely encrypted, and anything in the middle can't see what you're doing. Hmm. Now, do you have this kind of information on your website as well, if we want to really get into this a little bit more? Yeah. In fact, one of our, one of our tips is called Halting Hackers on the Holidays. I have some of my best uh, 10 tips on these things uh, listed in that file. That's a PDF people can download and read and learn more about these things. Okay, let me see if I've got this. Halting hackers on the holidays. You got it. So, and I'd access that by going to snoopwall.com? Snoopwall.com, and you go under mobile app resources. It's under that consumer area, 
and it's under Consumer Tools, and then there's a button you press called Tips, and there's tips with dealing with the anthem breach. There's halting hackers on the holidays. There's a Miss Teen USA's tips for teenagers to reclaim their privacy, and some other tips are available for free. Okay, so snoopwall.com. I think we've all got that. You went through the rest of the stuff pretty quick. Let me just tell you the notes I wrote. Tell me if I'm missing something. I'm looking for mobile apps uh, or mobile app resources and then ultimately consumer tools. Is that pretty much? uh... That's correct. Okay. Well, Gary, you've given us so much to think about. I mean, some scary stuff, but practical things to, to make our lives more secure. I guess one of the things that I've still got bouncing around in my mind is we've got all this data out there. We've got passwords that we need to be more secure with. I'm thinking there's some action steps that we probably should all be thinking about right after this show finishes up. If you were to say the big three, what kind of three things should we all be thinking we should do to make our lives more secure as far as this uh, era of connectivity in which we live in? Number one, assume you've already been compromised. Hmm. Let's just accept the fact that we've all installed a lot of free stuff, and some of it's creepware or spyware or malware. So number one, assume you've been compromised. If you can start with that assumption, then you can do number two, which is my spring cleaning we talked about earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. And number three, it's a great time if you're doing your spring cleaning to change your passwords. Mm-hmm. Password changes, and so change them across the board, but isn't there a danger of using the same password uh, everywhere? Not if it's difficult to hack or understand. If you use plain English passwords, you're in trouble. But if you use a complex password that only you will remember, like I said earlier, maybe something in the Navajo language with ones and zeros or a dollar sign and an exclamation mark, and if that's the one password you use everywhere, it's going to be very hard for that to be compromised. If it does get compromised... Now you only have to change one password, but you have to change it everywhere, which I recommend doing on a monthly basis to be safe. If folks don't want to go through those efforts, do it once every couple months or once a year, once whenever you feel like it. Mm. But when, when databases get breached, they always get our passwords. Wow. Gary, you've been a great guest. You've given us a lot of practical insights. One more time, Gary, before we got to go, give us your contact information. Well, anyone can email me at ceo at snoopwall.com, and I answer my own emails. And they can visit our website at www.snoopwall.com. And, again, the consumer page, consumer.snoopwall.com, loaded with free tips and tools so folks can reclaim their privacy and protect their kids. Gary Malefsky. Great guest, great show. Hopefully today's program has done what we always try to do on American Indian Living, helped you enjoy the very best of health. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.